Oh, we greet you in the precious name of Jesus Christ this evening. I want to ask you a question. I want to see your raised hands because uh, if I don't see any hands raised, I think we're just going to dismiss. The first song that we sang, what was the title of it? More love to thee, O Christ. I want to see how many want more love for Christ. Okay, good. Well, you're at the right place then because I want to talk about more love for Christ, but in a different way. Now, the songwriter says, send grief and pain. Are you ready for grief and pain? You want more love for Christ? He's going to send grief and pain. You say, how is that going to bring more love for Christ? Or it's going to draw you closer to him, or it's going to send you further away from him. I was talking to uh, one of my nurses yesterday when I got home, and uh, she was telling me how bitter she was, how angry she was at God uh, when her husband divorced her. And I said, you got angry at the wrong person. You got bitter at the wrong person. He's the only one that can help you. And, uh, you know, bitterness, and I'm not going to preach on bitterness tonight, but bitterness is like having a house full of rats and you eating the poison to get rid of the rats. That's just how much sense it makes. Well, anyways, I want to talk this evening and challenge myself and all of us in a deeper commitment with Christ. You can turn to Luke chapter... Oh, by the way, uh, what was the text this morning, the first text that... uh, Leroy preached from. What book was that and what, uh, what chapter? Luke 4. Luke 4. Okay, I want you to turn to Luke 5. I was a little bit concerned that he was getting in my territory this morning, but he didn't. And uh, when, when Brother William texted me and asked if I'd preach, uh, the Lord gave me this message right off. And I think it's something that we all need, a deeper commitment with Christ. You know, today, people do not like to make commitments. They're they're afraid to make commitments. I was talking to a man a week and a half ago who who were were working, they're doing the decorative crosswalk. And uh, he said that, this was on a Monday, he said he was getting married Wednesday evening at 8 o'clock. I said, oh, that's interesting. Why, Wednesday evening at 8 o'clock? He said, yes. He said, we've been living together for 21 years. I said, well, what made you decide to get married after 21 years of living together? I said, uh, who had the cold feet anyways? He said, I did. And I said, well, what made you decide to get married? And he said, well, I have a son. I don't know which one's which, but he has a son and a daughter. One's 18 and one's 19. And he said, I'm afraid that if I should get into the hospital, they'll just pull the plug on me. And I don't know if I get married, maybe she won't do that. Well, you know, people were so concerned about making commitments. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 14 to 17, it says, Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not into the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. Now listen, to this. This, is, this is where we are today in the world. For they sleep not, except they have done mischief, and their sleep is taken away unless they have caused some to fall. Isn't that tremendous wickedness? And that's their commitment to cause people to fall. Our commitment as servants of Jesus Christ 
is to want to uh, have a deeper relationship with him so that we can minister to people so that we can bring them from evil, from death to life. It says, for they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. What a what an awful state we are in today. What a tremendous responsibility we have today as God's children. I don't, I don't, they say I get excited. I do get excited. Oh, I, I can hardly wait for the next day to see what God's going to do, how he's going to use me for his honor and for his glory. I love, I, I maybe shouldn't say this, but uh, years ago I didn't, didn't really like to be around people. I'd just soon be by myself. And uh, I was ordained in 03, and I thought, of all people, Lord, why would you want me to preach? I don't even care to be around people. I'd just soon be by myself. But, you know, he changed that. And I love to be around people. I look forward to being around people. I look forward to making a difference in their life. And uh, the first thing that people see, and the first thing they ought to see in your life and in my life, is a radiance, a radiance about our life. There's something different. I have had people come up to me and say, why, what is, what is different about you? I mean, I don't, I don't wear my plain suit to work, but, uh, I don't dress quite the same as some of the other workers do. I mean, they wear these yellow or whatever orange t-shirts has uh, maybe the company name on it. I just wear a, a plain button up blue shirt and blue pants. And then I have my vest and hard hat over that. So they're not, they don't see me because I'm dressed differently. They come up to me. I don't have to go up to people. They come up to me and they start a conversation. They start talking and uh, they ask, what, why are you, I mean, what makes you so different? Why are you so happy? And I tell them, then I get an opportunity to tell them uh, of the salvation of Christ. I, I don't know. I was just telling someone this morning or sometime today, I wished I could be in the, on the harvest of it. It seems right now I'm in on the plant and seed, but of course God's the one who gives the increase, but it would be, it would be, I thought of Billy Graham. You know, we talked about him the other Sunday. Wouldn't it be wonderful to see souls, to be, to lead souls by the hundreds to Jesus Christ? But that may not be my calling at this point. My calling is to sow the seeds and to cause people to have a hungering and a thirsting after righteousness. And that's our responsibility if we want to have a deeper commitment with Jesus Christ. Now, you're never going to have a different, a, a deeper commitment to Jesus Christ if you're sitting on the fence. If you're pushing the fence line, you're not going to have a deeper commitment with Jesus Christ. And we want to look at a little bit about Peter here and see what God did in and through his life. I just want to read the first 11 verses. And it came to pass that... As the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were going out of them, and they were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And when he went left off speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let your nets down for a draught. Brothers and sisters, that's what I want us to do tonight. Launch out into the deep. Quit your splashing around up there on the, on the seashore and, and uh, that little ankle high water. There's no fish there. Launch out into the deep. Don't be afraid. Let God take control. You said you want more love for Jesus. You're going to find more love for Jesus when you're out in the deep. When you launch out into the deep, that's where the people are. 
Oh, it's nice to be, I, I enjoy the fellowship with God's people like, like here at Shade Mountain. But there's so many hungry people out in the world that need to hear the gospel. They need to see the gospel. Listen, we aren't gonna, we aren't gonna teach them the gospel until they see the gospel. Once they see it in our life, then they're going to have a hungry, they're going to wonder what in the world is so different about you. Why, why can you be so happy? Why can you, uh, why don't you throw a temper tantrum like other ones do? Why don't you cuss around like other ones do? I just had someone last week, uh, ask me, how in the world can you stay the way you are when you, when these men are so ungodly? I said, I take that as a challenge. And I said, if my God isn't great enough to keep me in a, in the midst of a wicked and cruel and unjust world, then I'm serving the wrong God. I mean, I'm not scared to go out among those people. I think that's where God needs people. And he might not, he might not send you there, but I love, I just love to be with, with people that I can witness to, that I can win to Jesus Christ. I don't know. I don't know how it's turning out. That's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to be obedient to his calling, to do what he asks me to do, and to be a blessing. And that's what I intend to be. Well, anyways, let's go on here. He said, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we toil all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. Now, not hard to praise the Lord, is it? When things happen like that. But listen, they weren't praising the Lord before that happened. I think they were groaning and moaning within themselves and saying, this man, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's not a fisherman. But they found out he was a fisherman. And uh, then it says, uh, and when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and that broke their net, and they beckoned to their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw that, he fell upon his knees. Uh, he fell at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And he was astonished in all that were with him at the draught of fishes which were taken. Uh, they were astonished at the wrong, wrong thing. They should have been astonished at Jesus. And I'll tell you what, when Jesus was able to take them and launch them out into the deep, their focus became so different. It wasn't, it wasn't the great catch of fish anymore. It was the power that Christ is doing in their lives. And that should be, that should be our hearts cry. God, just use me for your honor and your glory. Many people uh, want to be used of God. They want to, they want Christ to use them, but they're not willing. They're not willing to suffer. They're not willing to be different. They're not willing to, to, uh, uh, sell out to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. They're not willing to say, yes, Lord, whatever you want. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll be what you want me to be. A lot of people, that's just lies. They're just singing lies. They don't mean that any more than, than, uh, a little bit. I know because I, I was that way. I used to, I used to sing that song. And then I was asked to, to go to Africa. And I said, no, I, I said, I was just ordained in May. I was asked to go to Africa in June, to Kenya. I said, no, I can't do that. Plus I had my own appliance repair business and I was the only one there. And people were depending upon me. I said, no, I can't, I can't go. And, uh, 
the, the uh, native pastor said, well, God told me you're going. I said, well, God didn't tell me I was going. He said, well, that's because you're not listening to him. Well, I not only went one time, I went two times. And I just bless and praise the Lord. I mean, it was probably the hardest, one of the hardest decisions I ever made. And I know this, this started in January and, and my wife kept asking me, are you going? I, shall I get you a ticket? I said, no, no, I don't, I'm not going. I mean, I, I, I knew I wasn't going. And, uh, so finally it came down to the last day. She said, shall I get you a ticket? I said, well, hmm. I mean, God was working pretty hard. And I said, well, can you get me a ticket that's refundable? And she said, I'll, I'll try. And so the next day she got the ticket. And the next day, I said, Lord, it just doesn't matter. My business doesn't matter. I mean, nothing matters to me anymore. Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And you know, I had such a great, tremendous peace when I committed myself to the Lord Jesus Christ. That was probably one of the best years I had, even though I lost uh, 41 days we were over there. But God blessed, and he, and he used us in a marvelous way. I just want to tell you, I don't think I, I might have told one or two people, but uh, when I was in Africa, we went, the first time we went and ministered to the Maasai tribes. And they're supposed to be the most fierce people on the face of the earth. And we slept in their mud huts. I slept on cow skin. We uh, had to fight off the mosquitoes. And they had mosquitoes over there, I guess, that bite you. They would cause, uh, I mean, I guess you just get uh, get uh, malaria, and they had also mosquitoes that was sleeping sickness, and uh, snakes. They told me that the day I left the, the room where I was sleeping in, there was a big black mamma curled up in the room that I was sleeping in. Well, God protected me from that, and uh, he was so good. But what what I want to share with you is we had an opportunity to preach the word of God to these people. The men... The Bastai men, they buy their wife. How would you like to be bought? How many cows are you worth? Well, fellas, how many cows would you pay for one of these sisters? No, you don't need to answer me. But that's what they did. They buy their wife. They pay so many cows for her, and then she's their, he, she is his property, and he treats them like a donkey, even worse. Well, they have... They have sticks. The Maasai use sticks. They have a stick called an elder stick. I have one of those in my closet at home. They have a wife-beating stick. I have one of those at home. They have a stick that has a rounded lug nut on it that they throw, and they can throw it at people, throw it at animals to kill them. I have, I don't know, probably half a dozen different sticks that they use. Well, anyways... I found out that they beat their wives. And that didn't go over too good with me because I just, uh, I don't know what I would do if I ever saw a man beating his wife. I'm afraid I would probably stick myself in between the two, maybe get killed, but that's all right. And so I preached about it. I taught about it when I had the opportunity and told them that God, God uh, made the wife to be your helpmate, to love, and to encourage and to bless her. And they also practice female circumcision, and I preached about that and taught about that also. But sometime about eight weeks after we came back the first time, 
the native pastor called me up and he said, uh, I just wanted to tell you that there was about 80 women came to me one day and they were so happy. They were, they were so happy they were crying. And uh, he asked them, what, what is going on? Why are you so happy and yet you're crying? And they said, our husbands promised us that they would never beat us again with those sticks. And when Pastor Darwin comes over, they want him to burn them. Well, unfortunately, I didn't get to go over to the Maasai tribe again. We went to the Lua tribe and some other tribes. But it's an opportunity that I would not have had had I not allowed God to launch me out into the deep. If I would have been uh, stubborn and said, no, Lord, and I did say that for a while, and uh, I'm not going anywhere, I'm not getting out of my comfort zone, there's, there's 80 women, maybe more, who would still be getting beaten. And God, God will reward us tremendously. We have no idea how he's going to reward us for our obedience to him. Well, I don't think I even finished, did I? I get, I get off the track. Uh, and so also James and John, the son of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon, and Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook and followed all. Now this, uh, this occasion is, has took place at the Gennesaret, and it seems that this is the second time that the Lord had tried to get these men to leave their fishing and follow him. Now there's nothing wrong with fishing for fish, but Jesus said, I want you to fish for men. And that's where we're going to find the enjoyment in life. That's where we're going to find the fulfillment in life when we not only fish for fish, but fish for men. And Christ has a responsibility for every one of us. We see that previously he called Andrew and Peter and James and John back in Mark chapter 1 to follow him. And they traveled with him to Capernaum. But it seems like, and, and also Galilee, but it seems like after that they kind of just um, just kind of gave up and went back to their fishing business. And uh, now Jesus says it's time for a deeper commitment. You've played long enough. And so many people just play church. They go to church and, and uh, they act real pious and uh, they act like they're really sincere. But uh, comes Monday through Saturday, they're a different person. And I'll tell you, there's something wrong in our life if we aren't the same Monday through Sunday. We need to be the same. We need to have a, a love for those around about us. We need to have a compassion for the lost and the dying. If we don't minister to them, who's going to? So Jesus said, listen, disciples, I'm going to change your life. I want you to be fishers of men. And so Jesus, uh, he had a great multitude. Oh, I could hardly keep quiet. I would love to have a multitude like Billy Graham does. I would love to preach to 100,000 people at a football field. You say, wouldn't you be nervous? Oh, no, I'd be excited. I would love to do that. Uh, but, you know, God hasn't called me to do that yet. I just want to be faithful to do whatever he wants me to do, wherever he wants me to do it. But what a blessing it is to be able to minister to people, not just in word, but in our life. When they see a difference in our life, that's what gets their attention, first of all. And that's what causes a hungering and a thirst in their life, because people are hungry. They're hungry for something, and they don't know what it is. They have seen Christianity 
uh, and they think they know what Christianity is, but it doesn't satisfy them. Why? Because it's not Christ Christianity. It's, it's some other sort of Christianity. It's called, it's not Christianity, but it's called Christianity. And it doesn't fulfill. It doesn't, it doesn't satisfy their needs. I have heard, and I disagree with it wholeheartedly, that, uh, people are gospel hardened. They're not gospel hardened. They're hunting for something. People are hungry. I mean, when a person comes up to you that doesn't know you and starts talking like they knew you all their life, and, uh, they ask questions. They're hungry. They want to know. It's not that they're just curious. There's something lacking in their life, and they're hungry, and they want to hear. They want to hear what has changed you. What, why, what's causing you to be so different? What's causing you to be so happy? Uh, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't share this, but, but one man, he, he was a retired, he's there, he still is. He's a retired barber. He's 84 years old. And he come up to me one day, and he said, you remind me of a, well, I'll just use the word donkey. Eating green briars. <laughs> I took it as a compliment because I figured, you know, if you see a donkey eating green briars, you'll probably see his teeth. And uh, you'll probably see his gums and you see him smiling. And so I just took it as a compliment. So, and uh, I think that's how he meant it too. But sometimes, you know, we were a little rough on our illustrations. But just two weeks ago, he came up to me. He said, he was crying. Tears were running down his face. And I said, oh, you're pretty good at putting that on, aren't you? I said, I can't make myself do that. He said, no. He says, that's sincere. He said, I'm, I'm really crying. I said, what are you crying about? He said, I'm crying because you're going to be leaving in a couple of weeks. You're going to be done out here in a couple of weeks. And he said, you've been so good to me. You've been so kind. I don't know what I'm going to do. Now, that makes, that makes it worth serving the Lord. When someone is crying, and I said, I'm so sorry. I thought you were just pulling my leg. No, he said, I'm serious. And uh, I encouraged him, and, and he said, I guess we won't meet again till, uh we see each other in heaven. I said, well, I don't know, but uh, if we'll meet again before that or not. We have met before that again since then, but... Um, I did, I did let him know that we have to be prepared for heaven, I, even though he... Even though he has a cross hanging around his neck, Christ has to be in your heart. And uh, your sins have to be forgiven. And uh, Christ has to be on the throne of your heart. And so it's such a blessing. No wonder, no wonder uh, I'm so excited because I don't know what God's going to do next. I don't know who he's going to use. Uh, I just don't know. And I just, I just love the challenge that uh, to be used of Christ. You say, well, aren't you ashamed? No, there's nothing to be ashamed of. I'm not ashamed at all. There's a, a group that's uh, working there now, and and uh, they were pretty rough. And so I started talking to them, and and I said, actually, why don't you why don't you fellas come to church Sunday night? I'm preaching. What? You're a preacher? I said, yeah, I'm a preacher. And he said, oh, we didn't know that. I said, what's well, all right? I said, you're welcome to come there. And uh, they're not here, I see, but they live quite a ways off. But we don't need to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. We don't need to be ashamed of Jesus. We don't need to be ashamed to be different. God wants us to launch out into the deep. And so, 
After Jesus was done teaching the people, and he had a great multitude, he had to go out on the sea to, to preach to them. They were a very listening audience. I don't know how many accepted what he had to say, but that's not for me to know. The Bible doesn't say. But after he finished teaching, he issued instructions for uh, some of his disciples to put their nets out for a catch of fish. He said to Simon, launch out in the deep, let your net down for a catch. Now, Simon, I can just see him. He probably was washing and mending his net while uh, keeping one ear in tune to what Jesus was teaching. Uh, in other words, he was half listening, like a lot of people do, just half listen. And uh, they don't know really what, what was said, but they just listen about half or sleep, whatever. And, uh, you know, after all, Peter was, uh, he was a professional fisherman. And, uh, you know, he had responsibilities to do. He had duties to perform. He had a living to make, a family to keep. And yet uh, he was listening to what Jesus was teaching. And he was also hearing the words of Jesus to launch out into the deep. And then he heard the words of Jesus to put your fishing gear away. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Well, how in the world are we going to make a living if we're going to be fishers of men? Who's going to support us? What are we going to do? Well, we let God take care of that. Uh, Jesus' call to Simon to launch out into the deep is, was just an analogy of what he really wanted in Simon's life. He, he wanted Simon to put away uh, his uh, unbelief. He wanted Simon to get out, get out, launch out into the deep where the fish are. And that's what God's call is tonight to us is a deeper commitment with Christ. Launch out. Get out. Get out of your easy chair. Get out of your comfort zone. Oh, it's so nice to be in the comfort zone, isn't it? To know what's going to happen next. To know what your schedule is. Uh, we don't like our schedules upset, but you know, God upsets them. He does. He will do it often to get our attention, to get our focus on him. And so uh, I could just see uh, Peter when Jesus said, I need you to make a Deep commitment to me. I want you to launch out into the deep. When we hear the words launch out into the deep, there are several ways that we might uh, be tempted to compromise our obedience. We may be tempted uh, to be guided by our friends instead of what God says. You know, they might say, well, uh, that preacher just doesn't understand. He doesn't, he just doesn't know. He doesn't know my situation. He doesn't know my circumstances. Well, he doesn't have to. Uh, I'm God's microphone, and uh, just like this microphone, if it starts, if it starts saying something I didn't say, I want you to cut it off. And that's the way it is with God's messenger. We're just God's microphone. We say what He puts in our hearts. He, we say what He puts in our minds. We say what His Word says, and uh, we let the results up to Him. Well, He told Peter to launch out into the deep. Undoubtedly, we might be tempted to uh, think that can't do it. It won't. It doesn't make sense. Well, you know, God never told us to understand everything that he wants us to do. He just told us to be obedient, just told us to do it. And when we find ourselves being obedient to his word, he will work out the details. He'll, he'll take care of everything. He will bring it to pass and and we will be so blessed because we have been obedient to him. I could tell you story after story. I would like to tell 
I would like to tell the congregation your stories, but I don't know your stories. But I just want you to know that God will bless you when you launch out into the deep. He will, he will lead you into places that you had no idea that he would lead you. He would bring results that you had no idea that he would bring to you. Well, you know, I don't know if Peter believed that <clears throat> because we see that, uh, undoubtedly the advice from Peter's friends and fishermen was, <laughs> they were veteran fishermen too, and they probably overheard Jesus telling Peter to launch out into the deep, and uh, they no doubt said to Peter, well, I certainly wouldn't do it. That doesn't make sense. You know, you're, you're a fisherman. You know there's no fish out in the deep. I mean, we fished all night, and there was not even a bite. There wasn't even any fish in our net. We spent all this time cleaning up our nets. Uh, Jesus is not a fisherman. Well, he was, wasn't he? Uh, he, he told Peter, I mean, Peter got, Peter gets himself in trouble, but we do too. But he told, Peter said, uh, something about paying his taxes, and Jesus said, well, you know, Jesus didn't have any money, so he said, well, you go, and the first fish you catch, open its mouth, get the coin out, and go pay your taxes and mine both. And so Jesus, he knew where the fish were. And so, uh, I don't know what Peter, it doesn't say that he, he uh, sought advice, but it just seems to me, in my imagination, that could easily have been. I wonder if we wouldn't have done that. And uh, if we listen to some of our friends, we won't do anything. We won't go anywhere. We won't, we'll be afraid to witness for Jesus. We'll be afraid to be different if we listen to our friends. They tell us not to take it too seriously. Now, don't take your religion too seriously. no. I would say don't take your religion too seriously, but take your Christianity and your relationship with Jesus Christ very seriously. Very seriously because he's looking for those to follow him. He's looking for those who he can use to reach the lost and dying in the world. Well, we're tempted to be guided by our experiences instead of what God says. Well, I tried that once before and I felt I, I, I failed. Well, so did Peter. I mean, he... Well, we kind of pick on Peter, don't we? We say, oh, well, Peter, he walked on the water, but he only took a couple steps and went down. How many steps did you take on the water? How many steps did I take on the water? Don't be too hard on Peter until you walk on the water. And uh, I believe Peter would have went the whole way if he had kept his eyes on Jesus. And we will too. When our eyes are on Jesus, we'll walk. We won't fall. We won't fail. But we will we will be victorious as our eyes are on Jesus. But you know, there's so many distractions in this world to take our eyes off of Jesus. Well, the Lord asked Jesus to do something contrary to his own expertise in fishing. He told Peter to launch out into the deep. And according to everything that Peter knew, because he was a professional, he couldn't see any way of what Jesus was asking him to do was going to work. I mean, they were out there all night, and, and uh, fishing with nets is very toilsome. It's not like throwing a, going fishing on the river and throwing out your, casting out your uh, hook or whatever it is. Uh, but casting out your nets it takes a lot of work, takes a lot of effort. And Peter also knew that the best fishing on the Sea of Galilee was at night close to the shore. Well, I tell you, uh, you stay close to the shore, you aren't going to catch anything. That's where all the crabs are and the, and the starfish and all of that ucky stuff. You go out in the deep. That's where you're going to catch it. That's what Jesus said. Launch out in the deep. 
And uh, Jesus said to do this in the middle of the day. Well, they thought that doesn't make any sense. But, you know, a lot of times when Jesus asks us to do something, it doesn't make a lick of sense. I mean, it, it just doesn't seem, it just isn't logical. Well, Jesus never told us to understand, did he? He just said, you do what I, you do what I say and let the results up to me. And so, of course, this was an important for, lesson for Peter and uh, for the future to realize that even though he was going to fail, yet he could be victorious. His failures should not keep him from serving the Lord Jesus Christ. God's going to ask us to try again, even if we have failed in the past. He's going to keep giving us tests until we pass them. And uh, I don't like tests to start with, so I'd just soon pass mine the first time instead of having to have that test given to me again and again. But, you know, God is faithful. He will keep testing us until we become victorious in whatever area it is. Let me ask you, are you going to allow past failures in your life to keep you from launching out into the deep? Are you going to let that scare you? Are you going to let... uh, are you going to let Satan whisper in your ear, there's no use to try, you failed so many times already? You don't need to. You should not. You know, in verse 5, Peter says, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. And by this reply, he was communicating that to, his, to Christ that he and his partners were tired. I mean, we're tired, Lord Jesus. I mean, we've struggled and struggled. Now you want us to keep going? And Jesus said, yeah, you just keep going. And the word translated uh, toiled indicates it was very hard work. They hadn't, hadn't slept all night. They worked hard all night. And the circumstances of the past indicated that future fishing would be worthless. It would be useless. There would be no point in it. But Jesus said, you take your clean nets. You launch out into the deep where the fish are. You let them down for a draught. And uh, you see what happens. And they learned by their obedience to Jesus that uh, not everything that comes in our life is favorable. But when we follow and obey the word of God, it's going to be profitable. Circumstances should not dictate our obedience. When God tells us to do something, You say, well, I don't know if I can do it. He will give you the grace to do whatever he asks you to do. I mean, it may be things unusual that he asks you to do, but he will give you the grace to do that. There's no reason that we have to uh, say, I can't do that. Because his grace is sufficient for whatever he asks us to do. You know, we're often tempted to be guided by our fears instead of what God says. Perhaps the greatest obstacle that we face in our life is our own fear. Fear of failure. Fear of uh, not being able to fulfill what God asks us to do. You know, he won't ask us to do something that he won't give us the strength and the grace and the power to do. The fear of being inadequate. The fear of failure. It's a tremendous loss if we don't overcome the fear of following Christ. Oh, I just don't understand why people... Why people are so shy when it comes to talking to, about Jesus. I mean, that's what, that's what the world wants to hear. They're, they're, they're so hurting for something that, that will work in their life. They're so empty. And God, God created us with 
Since man fell, he created us with that emptiness in our life that only Christ can fulfill. Only he can take the place of that emptiness. And that's what our mission is, is to, is to relay the message of Christ to lost humanity. What a blessing, what a privilege it is to be able to, to do that. Not just to preach. I love to preach. One of the men said, uh, oh, do you like to preach? I said, I love to preach. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah. I said, yeah, I do. And uh, why? Because it's the word of God. And it's the power of God. Not what I say, but what the word of God says. And I have seen it change lives again and again. I have seen miracles again and again. And those who think that there's no miracles in this age that we're living, you must have your eyes shut. I have seen miracle after miracle in my life happening in front of my eyes. Not just spiritual miracles, but even physical miracles, material miracles, things that happen. I know there's people who, who would doubt that, but it doesn't matter. There's, there's people who, who could verify it, who were there, who saw the same thing. And so uh, what fear is it that's keeping you from doing God's will? What fear is it in your life that's keeping you from launching out into the deep? What's holding you back? What is it? Fear of what? You know, fear is an awful thing. Unless it's having a fear and a reverence, not a fear, but a reverence for God. We need to have that. Peter showed his love and respect for Christ by not letting his better judgment stand in his way or hinder his obedience. Well, how does Jesus take us from where we are to where he wants us to be? He takes us by pushing us. He pushes us. And uh, he just prods us. And he... He gives circumstances in our life that we either have to choose to follow him or choose not to follow him. And my prayer for us tonight is that we would choose to follow Jesus Christ wherever he leads us. Our own knowledge and skills are going to fail us. They're not going to hold up. We need God's power. We need God's knowledge. And we need God's skill in our lives. Right now is the time to determine in your life that you're going to obey God no matter what the consequences are, that you're going to allow God to launch you out into the deep, into the unknown. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't care what's going to happen tomorrow. I know that whatever happens tomorrow, God is going to be with me. He's going to use me for his honor, for his glory. And so I'm satisfied just to allow my my life to rest in his care, to rest in his plan and in his purpose for me. Oh, launching out into the deep can be scary. It takes us out of our comfort zone, but it puts us where God's blessings are to be found. And I'll tell you, when, we, when we're willing to launch out into the deep, there's going to be God's blessings there. Oh, he's going to reward us. He's going to bless, he's going to bless us. Oh, we may not see all the fruit of of what he's doing. And that's not that important that we see it, but what is important is that we obey him and do his will. More love to thee, O Christ. More love to thee is what I want. The results of obedience are recorded in verse 6 and 7 where they cast out their nets. They went against their own logic and they cast out their nets. What happened? They were filled to overflowing. Their nets started breaking. They asked for help to bring that load of of a fish in, probably several ton of them were hauled in that day in the midst of a roaring and delighted 
crowd. Oh, I tell you, they were shouting. They were delighted because of the fish. But I'll tell you what, they should have been delighted because of Jesus. Oh, I, I don't know. I guess it's kind of one of my pet peeves is, is people who can't get excited over Jesus. They can't get excited uh, talking about Jesus, but they can sure get excited when there's a ball game or something else going on. And uh, they say, well, I'm just meek, and, and that's just not my personality, but it, their personality changes depending on what it is. I think God made us so we can get excited. So we can, I mean, so we can have a radiant, uh, radiant smile, a testimony in our life. People see that, yeah, he, he really, or she really enjoys it. I can tell that they're serious. I can tell that, oh, there's just something different. There must be a, a special relationship. Well, there is. There's a special relationship between us and Jesus Christ. And the more we give him, the more, the more he gives us. We just cannot outdo his love for us. Well, their old, their old ship started sinking, and they come into shore, and they got they got these fish, and uh, we see the effect of Peter. He said, "Lord, I'm an unclean, I'm a sinful man. You need to go." It wasn't that he wanted to get rid of Jesus. He realized the power that Jesus has and what kind of a man he was. But Jesus said, "No, Peter, uh, I, I I don't want you to think that you need to leave me. I want you to let me work in your life." I make you a clean person, make you a holy person, make you a man, a fisher of men. I want to use you for my honor and my glory. And so uh, we see that uh, now, you know, first he calls Jesus master. He said, master, we have toiled all night. And we caught nothing. Now he says, he calls Jesus Lord. It's an entirely different word when he uses Lord. It's equating Jesus to God. That was used, that the word Lord was used to describe God. And we see that uh, when a man or a woman comes face to face with Christ, what a difference it makes in their life. We see the apostle or the prophet Amos, not Amos, but uh, Isaiah in chapter six, I believe it is. He saw the Lord high and lifted up. And uh, he said, Whoa, is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. Oh, I'm just not worthy, Lord, to to come into your presence. Well, the Lord said, we can fix that up. And so he took a coal off the altar and put on his lips and cleaned his lips up. And, you know, um, it, it's sad. It's sad for me when I hear plain people who need their lips cleaned up. They uh, use the same language as the world uses. I don't know. I I don't know that I've heard it here, but I've heard it a lot of places. Their language needs cleaned up. Their tongue, their lips need that cool of fire upon it. We need to, our, our language needs to be different. Our, the, our, uh, character needs to be different. We need to, we need to be the images of Christ. We need to allow Him to live His life in and through us. We see Job had the same experience. He said, I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eyes See you, therefore I abhor, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. I'll tell you when we see Jesus. When uh, we sell out to Jesus, when we launch out in the deep, our lives will be so different. Oh, they'll be so different. Uh, people will see the difference. People will, will they'll, they'll actually find it a pleasure and a joy to talk to someone who can show them the, the, uh, 
their need, who can show them the, the um, what's the word I want, the solution to their needs, which is Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you what a blessing it is to be able to, to talk to people who are hungering and thirsting and just share the gospel with them, share your life's testimony with them, and uh, let them know the difference that Christ has made in your life. Well, in chapter 21 and verse 4 of John, we see that after having fished all night, this is after Jesus' death and resurrection. Jesus went out in the seashore. Here the, here the fishermen were back into their old, old trade again and fishing. And Jesus hollered out. And he said, hey, children, have you any meat? No. They didn't know who he was. Then John said, that's our Lord. And Peter, bless his heart, he was naked, but he put on his fishing coat and he jumped out, he swam to shore. And his life was changed after that. I mean, Peter was not the same. Peter was willing to launch out into the deep. He was willing to commit everything to the Lord Jesus Christ. He was, yeah, he failed different times. Yeah, and we, we do too. But that's where God's grace is sufficient for us. Our, he's our propitiation. And not for ours only, not for us only, but for the whole world. And so uh, they said, no, we didn't catch anything. Well, he said, you poor bunch of fishermen. No, he didn't rebuke him. He said, he said, just put your net on the right side. You know, they were fishing on the wrong side of the, no wonder they didn't catch any fish. They were on the wrong side. They had their nets on the wrong side of the boat. He said, get your nets on the right side of the boat and you'll catch fish. And that's what he's telling us tonight. Get your life on the right side of Jesus Christ. Get your life on the right side of the scriptures. Get your life in order with Christ. You'll catch fish. Get your life on fire for Jesus Christ. Let the fire of God burn in your heart. It'll radiate out through your face. And uh, men and women will see the difference in your life. And they'll be so hungry. They'll be so thirsty. They'll ask what it is that makes you so different. A deeper commitment to Christ leads to a greater intimacy with him. So you want more love for Jesus? You want more love for Jesus? Launch out into the deep. Have a deeper commitment with him. Oh, we can never get deep enough. We can never launch out far enough. I believe the more we launch out, the more blessings he gives us, the more uh, fish that he sends our way, the more we want. The more we want to please him. You know, I often wonder, uh, and, and I didn't know this when I was a, well, I'm still a father, but <laughs> when my children were growing up, you know, you get more out of your children if you praise them and thank them and tell them how good of a job they do than what you do if you ridicule them all the time. If you, if you say you can't do anything right, why don't you do something right? You start, you start telling them how good of a job they did. We had a man uh, that started working for us and uh, just a few months ago, and he's rather lazy. He said to me, "I would like to have, I would like to be able to work here." And and uh, he said, "I'd like to be able to get my paycheck here without working." I said, "Well, buddy, you're at the wrong place for that." I said, "We work hard here." And uh, finally, he uh, he started working, and uh, he I don't know. He, I guess he never knew how to work, but he told somebody, and I heard him, he said, when I get older, I want to be just like 
just like me. I thought, well, praise the Lord. And uh, we just don't know the opportunities that we have when we follow Jesus, when we launch out into the deep. There's so many stories I could tell you. I don't want to bore you tonight. I don't want to hasten on. We're almost done. But Jesus told Peter that his future business would not be catching fish, bringing them from life to death, but it's going to be catching men, bringing them from death to life. What a tremendous occupation. What a tremendous, what a tremendous blessing that is to bring men from death to life. Forget the fish. Oh, we need something to eat. I know we need to eat, but I'll tell you, our main mission should be bringing men and women from death to life through Jesus Christ. However, he asks us to do that. Peter had just confessed to being a sinner. He testified to the greatness of the Lord. Oh, he said, my, he said one place, my Lord and my God. What a blessing it is when we recognize that we're going to do whatever God asks us to do. We're going to respond however he wants us to respond. <clears throat> they pulled their boats in the shore. They got rid of their fish. And uh, it says they forsook all and followed Jesus. The word followed is a word which signifies the deepest inward attachment. They were, they were done with their fishing of fish. Now they were going to fish for men. The call to walk with Jesus takes priority. It should have first place in our life, whatever Jesus wants us to do, whatever his call is for us. Then our occupation would be second. Um, of course, our families, we need to take care of them also. But Jesus will take care of that. I mean, he'll, he, does, he will not cause us to neglect our families. He will not cause us to... Uh, do things that his word would be contrary to us doing. You know, for some, like the Gadarean, when Jesus set him free, he, the Gadarean wanted to, to go with Jesus. He wanted to follow Jesus. He wanted to be one of his disciples. Jesus said, I want you to go back home and be my disciple. You start, you just go home and you tell them how great things Christ has done for you. For some, it may mean the foreign mission. For others, it may mean the mission field at their daily job. And I guess that's probably where most of us find ourselves today is the mission field at our work. That's where we have the, I don't know how many opportunities you have. I don't know what all you do, but uh, God will give us ample opportunities if we use the ones that he give us for his honor and for his glory. There's always hungry people that we're going to meet. And what a blessing it is to be used of him. I just can't stress strong enough the need for us to launch out into the deep and to just be willing to be used uh, for the kingdom of Christ, no matter whether people abuse us for that, no matter whether they laugh at us, no matter what it is. But the mission is catching men. And sometimes, a lot of times, work, where we work, is the best place to catch them. And what a blessing it is that God gives us the power, the grace, the courage, the strength, and his keeping power so that we do not fall, so that we do not give in. I mean, the world is looking for something that works. They're looking for, they're looking for a life that is different. They're looking for a life that is full of joy and uh, contentment and peace. God expects us to obey him 
simply because he has spoken. Not because we understand. There's many things we don't understand, but that's not what he asks of us. He asks us to just obey him. It's at his command. And on the basis of that, that we spiritually launch out into the deeper water and let down our nets for a draught. He accomplishes the results. Oh, what a blessing it is. What a privilege it is to be a child of God. What a privilege it is to be able to handle the word of God, to minister to the lost and the dying, to give them hope, to give them courage, that there is hope, that there is deliverance, that there is victory. And uh, that's some of the most precious time I have as, as being able to talk to people about their spiritual needs and being able to uh, point them to Christ, being able to be a blessing to them. God has that for each one of us here tonight. And I would trust, I would pray that you would allow God to launch you out into the deep. It's uncomfortable. It's unknown. It's, uh, it, it certainly takes us out of our comfort zone, but I'll tell you, it brings the blessings of God upon our lives. And uh, it's about the least we can do for what Christ has done for us. I mean, he, when he came into this world, as we heard this morning, he didn't minister to the religious people. You know, we feel pretty comfortable around the religious people, pretty safe around the religious people. But he said... I came not to call the righteous to repentance, but sinners. The, the, uh, the people that aren't sick, the people that are whole don't need a physician, but they that are sick. And so that's who God has called us to minister to. The lost and the dying, the hurting, and those who know not Christ. I have to often wonder, who would talk? Who would witness to the people that I witness to? Who would witness to the people that you witness to if you don't? Who's going to do it? And what a blessing it'll be when we see Christ face to face. I want to see him smile at me and I want to hear those words, well done. But I have so much more to do. So much more I want to do. But that's up to God. It's up to Christ. But I just want to be willing to be used of him. I want to be willing to launch out into the deep and just... Do whatever he asks me to do. And I trust that's your prayer tonight. That if you're, if you're not willing to launch out in the deep, that you get so sick and tired of slopping around on the seashore, <clears throat> that God will give you such a earnest desire to just launch out into the deep and serve him with all of your heart, mind, soul, strength, and body. Young people, start now. Don't wait till you're older. Start now. God has so many blessings in store for you. And, uh, I think one of the greatest joys there is is to see a sinner come to the come to repentance and see them accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior as his children. All right, let's kneel for prayer.